The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to another episode of the Sit Down, the Wooden Spoon podcast. This is joined by a friend of mine, Mike DeChocho. How are you doing, Mike? Doing great, brother. I'm so glad to be here, man. Yeah, thanks for um, taking the time. Um, what are you doing? How's our quarantine treating you? You know what? Uh, life is pretty similar to what it was pre- previous to the whole thing because I was able to work from home and mm-hmm. I did that to execute on, um, you know, having multiple meetings. I was doing Zoom already, so just getting as much packed into a day as possible. But now it's kind of, you know, obviously it's a horrible situation. Let's call it what it is. The pandemic is horrible for my health. People are dying. Mm -hmm. Businesses are are, are going under. And it's just, it's horrible. But for entrepreneurs, there's a lot of opportunity floating around. So rather than just lay defeat and, you know, be hit over the head with something and and then, you know, have have it really drive you into the ground, I've been... Even once I knew it was kind of starting and I, I saw it trending that way, yeah. um, I've been able to pivot and, and do some things uh, remotely that I was planning on doing anyway. It was just a little bit of a kick in the butt to say, yeah. all right, now you're doing it because you don't have an option. So I started already implementing a lot of the um, working from home and, and meeting clients and prospects digitally anyway. So thankfully, it wasn't too much of an uphaul for me. Yeah, just re- a quick uphaul. Uh, Quick backstory. So you own Social Chameleon, which is a social media marketing agency, digital marketing, similar mm-hmm. to me. And then you're also the host of Miked Up, mm-hmm. a podcast. So uh, give a little backstory just on your businesses and the podcast. Yeah. Before I do that, I just want to say I love the name The Wooden Spoon. I'm a paisan, if you couldn't tell by the eyebrows and the schnoz, everybody. <laughs> and I got some welts from my grandma, you know, chasing me around <laughs> the house with The Wooden Spoon. So if you're tuning in, most of you are probably paisans i love the t-shirt and the logo so once i saw you build your thing the wooden spoon and we met at a, a comedy show where you were hosting it and stuff just really really cool movement that you have Thank and in west and in buffalo and western new york there's so many paisans that are really close-knit you know we stick together sure. and um i think what you're doing is is helping everyone with having some cool engaging content so i just wanted to say thank you thank you i appreciate that yeah so social chameleon that i started in november of 2017 the original idea was to get back to my roots um i went to buff state for media production it's been a passion of mine since i was a little kid ran around the yard with mom and dad's video camera with my brother he was two years older than me so he was kind of the director and i was always the actor i was the good guy the bad guy I would just change my outfit right I would like, he would blow me up with like fireworks (laughs) and then I'd be in the next scene, you know, as like the next, you know, it's pretty funny. We had like three close knit friends that were in every single movie that we made back then. So it was a lot of fun. And I grew up um, really idolizing guys like Steven Spielberg and Robert Zemeckis and just some of the fun movies that came out in the late eighties and nineties. And so I always knew I wanted to do something with media, something where I'm creating content, even before we called it content, Mm -hmm. you know? And it was always from a creative place. I always appreciated advertisements that had a cool story and weren't just like super out there where it was just odd and awkward. Yeah. Or like they would show some 
random thing and then hit you with the product. You're like, that's not even relevant. It just doesn't, doesn't even do anything for me. But like the really good storytelling where they pull you in and they hit you with something. It doesn't always have to be like sad or super emotional, but just very well done. Creative storytelling has been something I've always liked. Um, and then throughout high school and college, I got into uh, writing, a lot of story writing um, and screenwriting was always fun for me, oh, writing cool. scripts. And my brother's very good at that as well. So we're like best friends. He's down in Tampa now, so we're not as physically close as we'd mm -hmm. like to be. Um, but we did a lot of creative stuff together. He got into stand-up comedy. I got more into the visual storytelling. Sure, um, where did you initially see yourself going with all of that, especially in college when you were writing? You know what? I'll just tell this real quick. I actually went originally into college as a, an elementary education teacher. Uh, the, the reason in the story, there's a purpose behind it, which everything I'm doing now, I've been very clear with finding the purpose in it first. But back then, I didn't think that way. I just went with my feelings. And the, my high school sweetheart and I were like figuring out, okay, I'm like in 11th grade, 12th grade, what am I going to do? And I got accepted into Buff State, early acceptance. And I had a teacher back in, in um, freshman year where I had algebra for the first time. First time I had to take a Regents exam. And throughout my life, I always was like a pretty good student, above average, somewhere in there. Sometimes I would excel and other times I just, it wasn't clicking. But my sister was a high honor roll student. So mm -hmm. she was the oldest, I'm the youngest of three. And then we're all about two years apart. My sister was academically strong, like honor roll every time, like su parents were super proud of her. And I, I was as well, we all were. My brother came second and he just really struggled, struggled academically. It's not that he wasn't smart. He was had some street smarts to him, but it was like, he just did, did not do well in math and yeah. certain things. I was, he, I looked up to my brother. Like he's the one who showed me all these cool movies and music because he was experiencing it a couple of years before I was. So when I'm six, I'm listening to music that he's introducing me to. By the time I'm eight, I'm listening to like Chili Peppers and Weezer Blue album and stuff, you know? And, uh, but then I came along and it was my turn to decide which, where I'm going, you know, am I going to be like my sister, my brother? And actually I fell somewhere between and it was probably just an environment, environment thing that I didn't even think about. Like, I just didn't feel I could ever be as smart as my sister. And I didn't want to be like my brother. Cause he was always, my parents were, you know, harping on him about, yeah, about not doing well. So um, that's about what, where I fell in, like stay out of trouble. Don't get in the limelight too much because then they're going to notice and they're going to be pulling you by the ear. What are you doing? And just don't, you know, don't be, um, you know, don't flunk out, obviously. And I didn't want to do that because I wanted to progress along with my friends. And so I had that understanding, right? Well, this teacher in ninth grade, she just delivered math in a way that made it make sense for me. Like the way of solving for algebra became fun. It was almost like you're a detective and you're yeah. solving she actually stayed after school a couple times. I remember at West Seneca West, there was what's called the wing and there's some tables set up and we used to meet there. And I, until I understood it, she would explain it differently until it like clicked for me. And it was the first time I had a teacher do that where I'm like, wow, this actually makes sense. And she just took a little bit of time out of her day to understand me. It wasn't that I was dumb. And I thought this is important. I'm glad I got this out because if someone's listening to this, they might have kids or they may have been a student themselves that was told they're either dumb or or the actions of administration is telling you like, because you got to go in this special class or this, or we're taking you out. I actually got taken out in, in elementary school quite a bit for reading. I had a hard time reading. 
and even with a little bit with speech. And here I am doing a podcast, right? They're like, you can't read, you can't talk, but I'm reading and talking all the time. Um, so I, I didn't really like that because it was, as you get taken out of a class, you end up, now you're missing out with what you're supposed to be in the core group. So it's really tough to like balance that, you know? Um, so she made it make sense. I end up getting a 94 in the regents. It, she, she calls my parents, right? <laughs> and I remember coming home from school one day and my parents were like, your teacher called. I'm like, what the heck did I do wrong? I don't remember doing anything <laughs> today. And they're like, no, you got a 94. And I remember it was goofy. They picked out a, a, a gift to give me. It was a, an NFL football, like a, an actual NFL style football. Cause my friends and I like to play street ball at the time. Mm -hmm. And we had like a, you know, we didn't have a nice ball. So that was just something I remembered that I took that moment and I went into elementary education and I was about a semester or two in and I was meeting with my advisor and she's like, Hey Mike, how's everything going? What do you want to do? To get back to your question about like, so how do you know what you want to do? And I remember just telling her like, Hey, this is what I grew up liking to do music. I play the drums. I run around with a camera. I like to shoot and, and make movies with my friends. And, um, and she's like, I can really see you. Funny enough, she said this. I don't know if I played subliminally in, my, in the back of my head. She's like, I could see you on the radio or something like that, you know. And I was like, interesting. I, I didn't even say that, so I don't know where that came from. But she must have had some some vision for me, which is yeah. cool. Um, and I was like, well, I really would like to, you know, do film. I would love to go to, like, film school in L.A., but it's just not in the budget right now. She's like, well, you see through that window right there? See that building? That's called the, uh, what was it called? Savage Arts Building, something like that. The Savage Building. But now it's called Television, Film, and Arts at Buff State. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, yeah, they do video editing, and there's a studio in there, and that's where all the students shoot Buff State TV. I'm like, what? I'm like, how did I not even know that existed? It's like its own little hut. It's No, no one knows what's in this building when you go in there. And so I, I took every class I could, you know. Um, and I transitioned and it wasn't that I, I mean, cause I really wanted to make an impact for children. That's why I, I wanted to go for elementary education. And the reason for elementary is it hit me when I was 15. I was like, how, how can I maybe make it when someone's six, seven, eight years old and get them on the right path a little bit sooner, you know, mm -hmm. have a teacher that they appreciate and they look at school maybe a little bit different and they're having some fun coming in and stuff like that. Um, so I made the transition after after going in for education and i love i still love kids i have a five-year-old daughter now so i get to experience it personally yeah. and anytime i get to do a cool event where i see kids having a good time that's the best for me that's you know awesome. i just love doing that so um i plan on volunteering a lot when she's involved with different things in school mm -hmm. stuff like that so uh that's a passion of mine i'm still able to do that and then when i graduated buff state everything was about internship they were feeding us internships like actually let me be clear. They weren't exactly like feeding them as here it is. They were just telling you, if you don't have an internship, you're not going to amount to anything. But then it was like, well, help me get, how do I get one? And then there was no help. Right. Or very limited. I'll be, be straight about it. Um, I found out that an internship I could have done was with the local news station. And that had very little interest to me, like telling, going on the news or being behind the camera and being like, okay, someone got shot in Buffalo or, the bills won or lost or this or that, just saying what's happening. It's sunny in the sky. Tomorrow it's going to be cloudy and raining and snowing by Sunday. Eh, it just wasn't something I wanted to do. I wasn't super excited or interested in doing that. So I, um, 
I didn't really pursue it. I was going to move out to um, California. My uncle's out there. He's doing really well. He works in, he lives in Sherman Oaks and he works um, at Warner Brothers and Sony and all the big motion pictures. He does um, added, uh, engineering, sound engineering. Okay. And um, he does really well, like the bit biggest blockbuster hits many times his name is he's working on it so cool star wars to planet of the apes wow. you know, clint eastwood movies he's been he's been doing a lot so anyway that was my vision like get out hang out with my uncle Vinny, and <laughs> another paisan right uncle yeah. Vinny. and uh so i actually had a plane ticket i was all ready to rock and roll and go do that and pursue my dream um and i was i was dating uh Laura at the time, who became my wife, um, we dated for three years. We got we got engaged and married, had a daughter, Isabel, together um, in 2015. So we were doing all that. Like, I ended up taking the path of more building a family. I had I, I thought about it, meditated about it, and back in 2008 and nine, I said I, I I would hate to go and then take away what I just started to build, which was the serious relationship I was in. So got married in 11, Isabel was born in 15, and then in 17, things took a turn. I ended up getting divorced, and um, you know, I'll just keep it real short. It ended up happening. I, I always take everything, like we talk about the pandemic, and figure out what good I could learn from it. It was a horrible situation, but just sitting there, sulking, I moved into an apartment, just sitting there all day and, and thinking about what went wrong wasn't going to serve me, wasn't going to make me a better person. So I already started to dive right into business. Yep. And a couple months prior to that being official is when I had the idea and launched Social Chameleon. And the reason for it was to get back to those roots. And what I didn't share was once I did get married, I was 25 years old and now my responsibilities changed. Mm -hmm. So things became a lot more about serving, like, you know, come putting, putting the bacon on the table, you know what I mean? Bringing home the bacon. And so, um, and I was cool with that. So I, I sold insurance for three and a half years. I was a, uh, I, I killed it at a company called Sleep Number, selling mattresses for two okay. years, mm -hmm. won President Circle Awards. Like, and I started to really get this sports-like, uh, people don't like the word addiction, but I really like, I, I just thrived in, in, in that sales environment because I believed in the product. I believed I was helping people and I knew I was. They were coming back, I was getting referrals, and I was doing well, and I was getting rewarded. And rewarding is such a self-confidence builder. For sure. So if I didn't have other things going on in life, like, hey, I'm not behind the camera, I'm not behind the drums as much, but I go into work, I come out, I'm one of the top sales guys. I had something I knew I, I was controlling that I was executing. Mm -hmm. So it started to become really a confidence booster. And I got recruited into a couple different businesses. I did insurance. And um, I just knew, even when I was doing it and doing it well, that it wasn't what Mike, I just knew my core wasn't being served long term. But I knew it was great for my wife at the time and my family situation. Daughter comes along. I'm doing pretty darn well at 25 years old, making pretty good money in this area, you know. Um, and when that actually started to uh, go a different, take a turn, right? And I saw that not working out. There's a great clip by Jim Carrey where he's talking about his father. It's really hard, like it hits you right in the right in the heart, man. He's talking about his dad. He was an accountant, I believe, and um, but he loved to play saxophone. He was a jazz musician, 
and he kind of gave up that dream because Jim and his family, they had a, he had a ton of brothers and sisters. They had a big family. They were living in a van, I believe, at one point. And this guy was just doing everything he can to make get a better lifestyle, right? So he pivoted and he gave up on his dream to go into accounting. At, at 50 years old, I believe he was, he got laid off. He just got told, your position here at this company is not needed anymore. And Jim says, the worst feeling in the world is to compromise give up on something and still go a different path and have that thing fail and not work. Cause now it's like you gave up on your dream and something else you're not even doing a hundred percent for your self-serving for your spirit. And then that fails. And I actually experienced that because a lot of the things I was doing and I was happy to do those for the family, but when, when it, like the family thing didn't work out right, you know um, I remember having a moment of like, Holy smokes, like, you know, I didn't do all the things I wanted to do as much and it still didn't work out. Mm -hmm. So I'll be damned. Now I can look myself in the mirror and I can make every decision. What, what do I really want to do? What's the underlying things that have been pulling at my heart and go and do them. And that's when I started social chameleon. And the reason for the podcast was I was diving so heavily into content like Ed Milet, um, Tony Robbins, you know, a lot, a lot of guys, Lewis house guys that had these fantastic podcasts and their guests would come on and just share these amazing stories. And I remember I did a lot of driving going, meeting with prospects and clients. Mm -hmm. So it was like an education on wheels and, it, and not too many people at the time in 2016 and 17, were talking about podcasts really. So I felt like I had this little secret weapon. It's kind of like book on tape, but it was more conversational. And, and like, it basically, it's like a fly in the wall. You have two guys who built million dollar empires, sometimes billion dollar empires, willing to talk about it. It's like being, sitting next to them at a bar and just be like, listening in. And then I, know, telling I feel me, like um, podcasts are so like, especially those types, like you have all of this, like you have millions of dollars of information for free at your fingertips. And it's more intimate setting, right? People mm -hmm. are like, they're, they're letting their hair down and they're not, they're not up there like trying to sell stuff in the moment. So that's why I really liked it. And I've been wanting to do it for a long time. And a friend of mine, we're meeting for coffee quite a bit. And she's like, you talk about this podcast quite a bit, this idea, when are you going to do it? You know? And so I pushed myself to do it. And I, I, I made a list. I remember sitting at, at Spot Coffee and I make this long list of like people in my immediate sphere. And then it was like the next reach up. And then it was like a list celebrity people that, if, that I could pick up the phone and get their agent. Who would I want on the show? And I made this whole list and I started from the, from the closer connect. Actually, I kind of started in the middle group. Like, Hey, I'm going to just ask these people and see how this goes. And I got um, the first person I remember asking was Robert Cicero Jr. Who worked with Grant Cardone for a while. Okay. Um, he was like his videographer, right? And he, he went off and started his own successful business and was making over 350 a year. Okay. Like really, really a nice business he built for himself. And so I reached out to him and he was like, hey man, he's like, what, what does he say? He responds right away on, on Facebook Messenger, which I thought was was really cool and like a classy move. He, he mm -hmm. didn't like play hard to get. And he just said, hey amigo, how you doing? He goes, I'm actually in, I think he was in Australia, right? This is back in like, maybe October. And he's like, I'm in Australia, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to be there for two weeks. Let's schedule something. We'll make it happen. So he was like my, I ended up getting four other people while he was away. Mm -hmm. I recorded those four. And then he was my fifth episode, I believe. And that just made me realize 
in that moment, I didn't have gear. I didn't have this microphone. I didn't know how to use the software the way I do today. So I made a commitment. I was going to do it. I got commitment from people. And then once I knew, okay, I have guests and I have show, I, I could, now I have a show I could talk about, right? So I just recorded like a little preview episode, see what people were thinking about it. And I got so much good feedback, even before it launched, like people telling me, hey, I think you're doing what I could tell you really love to do. Yeah. And then I was, it just re reminded me. That's like, like one of the, that's like one of the best things to hear ever. Cause I've been told <laughs> a couple of times and it's like, they're like, oh, you're doing what you belong in. Like, yeah, this is what you should have been doing all along. I'm like, well, okay. I feel it. And I'll say this too. I felt, um, I meditated and prayed on it. And I just said, you know, use me. I look up at the universe, talk to God. And I say, put me in a position, use me. However you feel is best to serve this planet. I'm on here. Like I wake up, and I just, I want to make it better when I rest my head on a pillow. I did something throughout that day to, to make it move in a forward direction and not take away, right? And so at the end of my life, God forbid, like who knows when that's going to be. Tomorrow is not, not granted to us, right? We don't know. Um, so just control each moment and make the best of it. And it you know, might sound like a cheesy t-shirt or soundbite or something, but I really live that way. Like I want to figure out a way to make it better every single day. I want to make, after you get off this call with me, after we wrap this interview, hopefully you take some value away from it. If someone tunes into this conversation for five minutes, they walk away with just feeling better about things. Mm -hmm. That's what it's about, you know? Yeah, it's about yeah. being real, you know? For sure. Definitely massive perseverance on your end too. So mm -hmm. that can be applauded. So yeah. So the podcast, how old, like, it's not, it hasn't been that long of the podcast either. And then you've kind of just cranked out episodes and I see the amount of work you put into it. It's a lot. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if I should admit how much time and effort I put into it. Cause it's, it's a lot more, I think, than, than people realize. I'm happy to do it though. It's like, yeah. you know, it's a passion of mine. So some people work, bust their tail for eight to 12 hours a day. And then they go and whatever they want to do, fill in the blank. That's cool. I really like to read. I like to watch other people's content to learn. And then I like to produce my own. And mm -hmm. those are the things I do. And then aside from that, I'm working with clients at Social Chameleon. And I also started producing other people's podcasts because they saw mine and they're like, can you help me do that? Mm -hmm. The answer is, I, I said yes. And then I figured out how to educate and make yeah. it happen. Um, but to and answer not your question. Not, not, not to interrupt, but I think just sure. saying yes first is such a big thing that a lot of people don't do. Got to be careful too, though. Like I know Warren Buffett always says the power, the reason he's been so successful is because he knows how to, when to say no. Mm -hmm. So I think, I mean, we talk about that off camera. Sometimes you could, when, when you're like really wanting to add another client to the mix, it, it, you want to say yes. And then it could be someone that actually derails you a little bit. So you got to be careful yeah. when you say yes. But um, in terms of like starting and like, especially like something about your passion, you've got you to yeah, you gotta get moving. You got to do it. And not gonna, you're not going to learn how to do it really well until you're doing it. Like you can't be a star soccer player until you're out there when you're a little kid running around. I think, around, I think the, power, the, game. the power of no almost starts to come, especially like in terms of trying to like scale whatever you're doing. I think once you prove yourself and you build authority, then you have a little bit more ability to say, hey, you know what? This isn't the right project for me. Let, and then you build your network so you can do one of these awesome moves. I'm going to get you over to someone who's the right fit for that. My mm -hmm. friend, Nico, and get you over to him. Cause I believe he's actually, it sounds more like he's your, your yep. cup of coffee. 
I'll have him reach out to you. And then I give the power to the person because if I just say, can you call him? They may never do that. I call you. Hey, I got a cool referral. His name's Steve. Call him here. You're done. You're happy. You can make an extra phone call you didn't have in your book. And they're being served by a friend connection instead of just Googling a random person and reading Google reviews, you know? So, um, but what I wanted to say about the show, I got 25 that are out that you can listen to on Spotify. They're on YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. There's, I'll, put, I'll put the links in all. I appreciate it. Yeah. And then other, other carriers, like other platforms picked it up, like CastBox and um, Podcast Addict. I had someone ask, like, are you on there? And I checked and I am. It's because it's, when you create an RSS feed, it, yeah, to, it, it distributes to a lot of those. So it, that was really cool. Um, I use Lipson. I'm really happy with them as a mm -hmm. distribution center. And yeah, I do one a week. I started in November. I think November 4th was the first launch and, and I do one every week. Wow, that's I know awesome. some people kick out content multiple times a week, which I think is fantastic, but it's not really produced necessarily. They just... Mm -hmm they'll do a Facebook live and then share it or whatever. And that's cool. Um, it's important to have consistent messaging, but for my show, I really want it to be something that I can edit. I can add links into it. Your name pops up on the screen. If you, you know, if someone has a cough or something, you know, we don't, you know, it's an organic conversation. I typically don't cut anything out, but I can, I can edit around those, yeah. those coughs and those moments, those blemishes, if you will. And then um, I put a, a beginning and an, an outro on it. Usually the outro is customized to that week, a message, something going on. Um, I was nominated a, a, in, as the uh, as a man of the year candidate for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So oh. I've been I've been mindful of making yeah. sure I remind people on my show, like, hey, if you want to help out and donate or you can share this information, and I do it at the end, you know, so mm -hmm. it has all the links and stuff, so. Yeah, but it's been super fun, like just talking to people like yourself. Um, that's what I think life is about, building connections, building friendships, learning from each other, helping people out. And the podcast does all that. And it's helping me build my brand. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had people tell me like, oh, I just, I love what you're doing. And it's like, never met them before. So they're, they're seeing it. They're seeing me and listening to me before we meet. And then they actually have a level of comfort already with me because they, they know a lot more about me than I do about that. Yeah, and that's mass. I mean, in terms and getting back to like business, that's a lot of leverage in terms of negotiation and sure. building your business too. So that's awesome. And, and look, I started it without thinking about leverage at all. I, I really did. I started it because I wanted to have those conversations with people. And, and actually, one of the things that made me realize that I wanted to do it was I was already having these conversations with people over coffee, right? Yep. Like if you and I met, we would have a nice conversation about how we started our social media businesses, our Italian connections. We'd probably have some jokes about our family that were similar. And I'm guessing after an hour, it'd be a pretty cool conversation. We'd have some fun with it. And if other people listen, they probably would benefit from it in some way. From the business side of it, Italian people would laugh at the common things that we have. I mean, again, the, the wooden spoon, the marks I have from, from grandma when she caught me with the wooden spoon, I don't know how she got me. I was like five and she was like 50, but she was, she I caught me every, every time she was quick. <laughs> and so we would have this conversation and then what would happen is we would leave, we'd go off to our other appointments and everything. And I'd be like, that was cool. It, it just ended right there, you know? So I'm like, well, you know, 
I don't know if people are going to want to hear these things or not, but I'm going to put it out there and see what people say about it. And I've gotten some really cool reviews. I'll share one, one of them. Um, it was a guy from high school who I wasn't really close friends with. I worked with his girlfriend for a while. So he used to pop into the store I worked at. So I, I've seen him a few times, but we didn't have like full blown conversations. He was kind of a jock. I was like in music and band and jazz band and marching band and stuff. So we weren't like the total same group of friends, but we just knew of each other. I had no idea this guy even knew I had a podcast out, right? I ran into him at church, but didn't really like, we saw each other. You know how you like, you know, you, you've yeah. seen someone there, but you didn't, we still didn't connect. And like a couple of weeks later, he sends me a message on Facebook and was like, Hey, I, I've been tuning into your episodes. I'm going to listen to everyone, something along those lines of like, I'm really tuned in and I just love what you're doing. And it's like an inspiring content. And I was like, Whoa, like that's cool. Cause it's someone who's not just telling me it yeah. to hear it. Like a friend who's encouraging. It's someone who actually tuned in out of curiosity and then they, they came away with value. Awesome. I just love that. That's awesome. So now that everything's like rolling, do you have like any big plans for, especially for the podcast in the future, any like bigger guests to reach out to? I don't know. Should I throw names? Um, man, I would love to have. Or who, yeah, I guess who, who would you like, who would you like, like say like, oh my God, this is like the one person I'd love to have a conversation with. Hmm. From a, from a band perspective, I would love to interview the Red Hot Chili Peppers. They're mm -hmm. my favorite band growing up. And they're super intellectual guys, like in conversation. I know that most people think of them as the crazy guys back in the 90s who ran around with a sock on their junk. And <laughs> most of the time, they're not wearing shirts. And, and their music could be crazy at times and stuff. And yes, they are all of, all of those things. But that doesn't mean that they're just some, you know, nonsensical thinkers like they're actually very interesting intellectual people and i would love to either have the whole band on or anthony kiedis flea um john Frusciante, their guitarist is one of my favorite musicians of all time and their drummer chad smith uh, i when i played drums i emulated him a lot because he had this funky bombastic thing which you know he had a side project called um Chad Smith's bombastic meat bats. So he used that <laughs> word, but he had like this bombastic sound, right? And um, it also, he was highly influenced by John Bonham, who most drummers have been influenced from Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. And um, and also Buddy Rich from a technical jazz perspective. So he had like this Buddy Rich, John Bonham funkiness to him. And I loved jazz, Led Zeppelin, and the Chili Peppers. So when I was playing in a band called Redwater for about three to four years, we were playing out all over Buffalo and like my natural feel that just hit me in the heart had a similar feel. So I actually got to meet Chad and I told a little bit of the story. I was interviewed yesterday on another show. It was all about first time moments. And they're like, what was the first time moment or someone you met? That was cool. I met him for like 10 seconds in the street at uh, in Cleveland before a show, he was running in to have lunch or dinner. And I was with Laura at the time. And uh, I was like, grab my phone. Like, and people were all kind of, it started to rain. So people were like running inside. And so there's a lot of commotion going on. And I thought it was simply because of the weather changing really fast. And then I heard people saying some word over and over. They're like, they're like, 
chanting something. I'm like, what the hell is everybody talking about? <laughs> and I look over and it's Chad Smith from the Chili Peppers, right? So cool. And uh, I, I just shouted his name once and he happened, I was like the last person he turned to before he was in the restaurant. He was getting close. He ran over and did a 10 second conversation, snapped a picture. And uh, it was super cool, you know, that he did that. Um, he didn't realize how much it meant to me probably just mm -hmm. from the fact that I idolized him as a musician. And I'm happy to see they're back together and John just rejoined the band again, um, their guitar player. So, uh, yeah, I would love to interview them. Um, some famous comedians that you and I both love, like Sipchim Maniscalco, yeah. would be huge to get them on the show. Um, I also, I actually know, not like as a friend, but when I went to visit my brother in Tampa, I went into, we hung out in Orlando for a little bit. And Hulk Hogan was someone that we always enjoyed watching as a kid, right? He was another idol as a little guy looking up to Hulk Hogan. And like, he just was like a comic book hero kind of, but in real life. And um, when we were down there, I, I mingle and talk to everybody. So Hulk wasn't in his shop, but we went on International Drive, I believe it is, went into Hogan's Beat Shop. And I was looking around, I bought a t-shirt and my brother, just a, he's even bigger of a Hulk Hogan fan than I am. We're looking at all the memorabilia and there's like signed WrestleMania belts and all. It's just really, really cool. It's basically a, like a Hulk Hogan museum in a wrestling museum. And I asked if Ron was there, right? Um, he's the general manager of the beat shop. And because um, my brother met him, they did like a Hulk did a signing where my brother okay. got to meet Hulk Hogan, right? So I just figured I'd ask for Ron and see if I can build a connection. And I wanted to do some cool stuff in the walls because he had stuff like this, like all Hulk Hulk Hogan memorabilia in the walls or TVs playing and there were outfits like um, replica Hulk Hogan size, like life size. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, in like Ripley's Believe It or Not, wax figures. Okay. Yeah, there were like the NWO Hulk. There was the uh, <laughs> red and yellow. Um, and they, they had like three different versions. And, but the walls were just kind of white walls that had stuff on it. And one of the things that I could do working with a company here in um, Buffalo is put some really cool vinyl graphics on the wall. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, you could have Hulk Hogan body slamming Andre the Giant on the wall in this place. And um, like they were planning on moving and then he started a restaurant. So long story short, I call. Uh, after I left there and he wasn't there, I got his number and I called him and probably had about 20 conversations with Ron over the last two years. Like, when are we going to work together? And um, I told him, like, even in the quarantine, like, you, you have an online store. We could work together and I can help you get some Facebook ads going since you don't have people coming in the store since mm -hmm. it's closed. I can still help you sell. But they're just cranking. Like, Hall could just do a 10-second video and he's going to sell action figures. You know what I mean? So, um, but anyway, he, we, we were talking and talking and I was like, man, I would love to have him on my show. And the problem with that is so many, when there's so much demand, the guys feel funny saying yes to one person and no to a hundred others, especially if those hundred others are closer friends. And I'm just some guy from Buffalo that kept a connection and I, I hustle and like, I, I am persistent and, and Ron was super classy about it but he just I asked him if he would do something for LLS and he's like ah, it's just we can't say yes you know because they, they have people throwing them decent amount of money to do stuff like that like you know and, and he has to say no because 
Yeah. You start to build enemies that way. So he'd rather just do his own content. But there's some big names I think that now in quarantine I'm gonna I'm gonna try to hit up um because they're a little bit more accessible, right? So, yeah, a lot of people I've been finding that too. I've just been reaching out like, hey, could you do like a 20, 30 minute just Zoom call? And they're like, Yeah, that sounds great. Because it's yeah. like travel involved. It's Can great. you share some of the people that you well, I got like I'll like a, I'm doing um, a buddy of mine. We'll have Austin Giorgio on the show next. He was in The Voice. Okay. And he's a he's a close friend of mine though. And then um, we've got another like TikTok star, um, Italian TikTok star coming on Saturday too. Don't want to give that yeah. one away yet, but <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, why not reach out? You know, yeah. give it a shot. Um, mm-hmm. Again. You, at this point, people who are either usually on set recording, making a movie, recording an album, they they really can't do too much. So that's yeah. um, just a reminder for myself. I'm going to go back to that kind of the dream list again and and start to reach out to some people. Because why not? You I know, know I find myself busier than ever right now. Just because oh at the start of quarantine, like, oh, I have so much free time. Let me do this, this, and that. I started investing in stocks, and then that takes up time. And I'm like, oh, let mm-hmm. me start up the podcast, but make it on Zoom. Like, oh. And then, like, I got new clients now that I started working with just because everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, I want to go online now. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I've been busier. We get to create how busy we are, too. So I've always been very busy. Um, but now I'm actually having more success. Like, it's not taking as many reach outs to get someone serious on the on the phone because yeah. most people are easier to get a hold of now right there's Especially not the, oh i'm doing this i'm doing that it's like yeah you're we're all still busy but you can now take a 10 minute phone call and, and let's just see if it's the right fit you know and just having more conversations like that getting to meet people building my linkedin network um i'm actually bringing some people on board at social chameleon because we're doing podcast production as i mentioned and it's something right now I'm doing most of it myself, if not all of it, when I'm doing editing and the production side and distribution. And I want to bring people in to do that so I could start to scale it up. You know, um, ideally, I want to be able to oversee. Is that something that? you see like you finding yourself doing a lot more of in the future is podcast production? Is that- I really, yeah, I really want that to be our thing that we're known for um, because I believe in it as a medium so much. Yes. that people can learn from it it's making a difference people enjoy it it's entertainment but it's something you can you can r- be running outside right now or when the gyms are open you can go get your workout in you can learn something through a podcast you can watch it um and you know so i i'm just in tune with that as a medium but i i love helping people out any which way so i don't foresee myself not doing advertising mm-hmm. really where i'm like the projects I love the most are when someone hires us to create the actual storyboard, the creative message behind an ad. And then I get together with my team and we shoot it. Mm-hmm. And so we shoot a 30 second to 90 second ad for social media, something that's going to have um, a visual component to it. Most of these are not static images they're actual videos. And I just love it. Cause now I'm directing, I'm doing what I love to do. Yeah. I'm storytelling, I'm writing the storyboard and clients, that's not necessarily their strong point. Um, they know their products and services, but I'm my, the reason they're hiring me is to help them tell their story and get to a target market and be interesting and grab attention and um, have more people click through on that ad. And that's what we're hired to do. And the copy is super important. 
the text, the actual copy in the ad is super important. Mm -hmm. And the fact that most people listen to or watch three to five seconds of a video. And also 90% of people are not, uh, they're actually not watching it. Or excuse me, they're not, they're not listening to it. So they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're just reading the titles, the subtitles on it. So if you don't have subtitles in a video, there's a high percent chance that they're just looking at it. And if they don't find interest in it somehow, they're going to scroll right through. Um, so it's important to have the subtitles. So those little details are things that I help my clients with where um, they either don't know how to do it or it's time and they're better, their time is better spent doing things that they're great at and that they want to be doing. And then they hire someone like me, social chameleon or someone like yourself to help them do the things that they're not experts in that they need a partner to make it happen. It's awesome though how everything's pretty much come full circle for you, like right back to. Yeah. The only thing I need to get back to doing more is drumming because I know I still have it. Um, The steering wheel in my car gets beat up quite a bit when a good song (laughs) is on. (laughs) I know I still have it. It's in my heart. Um, I literally, there's no such thing as like, silencing my mind i like to i try to meditate but whenever i do that like there's music flowing in my veins all the time i hear drum beats in my head and then i know um, i have a, a digital drum set that i have set up at my parents that when my daughter's with me we go down in the basement and we jam on it and so that's kind of my tester to make sure okay i still got it I still got it <laughs> But there's a difference in being able to play a drum beat, let's be clear, and being able to do an hour show, having mm-hmm. the chops. So I remember um, we used to usually play about an hour, and it was like, you know, full workout. I felt like I played a yeah. you know, football game or something, but without the, all the, the physical abuse, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but I'd be uh, drenched because I was very animated. <laughs> <laughs> I get into it, man. Music is something you feel. I just, it's such a it's a beautiful thing. It's a universal language. It brings people together. You know, like two strangers meet and they like the same song. They could all of a sudden a friendship forms. Or there's a song on that you hear. It makes you feel good. Two people are hearing it at the same time. They're feeling good. You know, if there was something going on that, um, you know, people are, are get angry about or something, it could change your, change your mood. For sure. You know, so. But yeah, brother, we're, we're hustling more than ever, you know, um, shout out to Bill's mafia right here. Del yeah, Reed at 26 cool, cool. shirts. Tell me about a little bit about what you're doing. And, um, obviously like the, our joint audiences, I'm going to share yeah, this with my, uh, talk to really interesting Italian Americans, especially <laughs> love to just do a lot of it in Buffalo too, but I'm open to pretty much talking to anybody, especially like they have a great story. We'll sit down and talk. Yeah, like I know, like we're both Italian, we've, we've got those similar roots, and you've got great stories to tell. So I definitely wanted to shoot an episode with you. Yeah, can I give a shout out to my family real quick? Absolutely. Uh, so the DeChocho family, and also my uh, my mom's family is the Cirilli family. Mm-hmm. So DeChocho and Cirilli both came over right from right from Italy, right right off the boat kind of thing. My dad was actually born in Venezuela, which is interesting. Because as his family was coming from Italy, and there was a lot of turmoil going on in Italy, and they kept hearing, like, America's where you got to go. It's Mm -hmm. it's the land of opportunity, right? And so we had other family that already was settling in here. Some was in Pennsylvania. Um, My mom's family went to Brooklyn first and then the Buffalo. But my dad was born in Venezuela, like, in the in-between times, 
back in the early 50s, he was born in 51, and I believe in 53 is when they officially moved to, it was either 52 or 53 that they moved to the States. Um, and I just want to say, like, if anyone's listening to this and you moved from one city to another, you know that that is a lot of work. Getting the U-Haul, getting everything going, right? It's just not something that we typically, you don't do it overnight, and it's not an easy thing to do. We're talking about families moving from one country to the other. And in, in both cases with my grandparents, they did not do it together. They went at different times. Yeah. The only form of communication was written letter, right? And then you're going into a foreign country where you barely speak English. No one's really giving you a ton of respect. And you're going to making it happen. And they both ended up being entrepreneurial. My grandfathers both owned delis. I didn't find this out until just a couple of years ago. I knew my one grandpa had a business, mm -hmm. but I never knew my mom's dad had a business that she, when she was my daughter's age, was like working in the shop with him, you know? <laughs> uh, she remembers dipping candy apples. He had a deli and like can little candy oh, shop and stuff. And like she has these stories of remembering my, my grandpa as an entrepreneur and my dad's dad had a, he was, he was paving streets in Venezuela, right? Like, but, but what, what was happening is he was looking at opportunity. These guys were out there and they needed something. So he created this stand to help have food, uh, lunch for the guys that are working on the road. So he thought like, Hey, I'll build this little stand. Right. And whatever money that they could get together, they used to come over to the States. Now here's what I think, man. Um, Part of my drive and my story is making those guys proud. Now, both of my grandpa, uh, grandpas have passed away and one of my grandmas have uh, passed away. So um, out of respect for them, what they did, they were so bold, so brave, which is the, my saying on the show is be brave and bold in pursuit of your dreams, right? They were brave, they were bold, and they went and made it happen. And I think it would be a sin for me as their grandson they did that for us. They didn't even know me at the time, right? I wasn't born yet. Their own son was just being born. And then uh, they knew that they're building a family now in America. And my grandpa used to say, good country, good country, right? It was just all about opportunity. And if I just grew up and just went into the system and just tried to work somewhere for 30 years yeah. to be haphazard and just survive, I, I really do feel that that would not be, it would be a, a total shame and a sin for people to risk their life coming over to a country for a great opportunity. Now I'm in America and then to take it for granted. And I think so many people take our country for granted. Like you can wake up and stay with a laptop. You can do a podcast with a hundred dollar microphone. Yeah. If that's in your heart and you have reasons that you're like, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait yada, yada, yada. No one's going to want to listen to me and this and that. Like you're in America, man. Like you have opportunity connect with people. Like there's networking events happening now virtually. There's no reason yeah. for you not to make new friends and this and that. So it's really like, I just was reminded when I heard these stories that I need to go and do something that's on purpose. I feel like a lot or, of, definitely a lot people. of people could relate to that. Cause just even here, like my dad, very entrepreneurial, my mom worked my mom was divorced when I was a kid. So I seen her work 70 hour week. So it's like, oh. I can't just come home and take a nap. Like that doesn't yeah. make sense in my head. So yeah, it's like, right, right. Because you've seen people hustle to give you an opportunity. And then if you have an opportunity and you just blow it, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a complete shame, you know? And so course, we just want to make our parents and grandparents, our families proud too. 
one th- an Italian thing is respect. Yep. Right. Respect is earned. You get to respect your your family, your parents, and it was like an unwritten rule, unwritten law, that you always wanted to respect your family. You know, and there were times when I would goof up in school or whatever, right? And I had to call my, one teacher made me call my mom and like tell her what I did. And I just remember I was shaking because it was a disrespectful thing, you know. Yeah. Teacher didn't know, like I, I was probably when I went home, put in the room, wait for dad to get home. He's gonna make sure you understand he didn't yeah. <laughs> do the right thing, right? Um, yeah, it was all about respect and about um, making sure they knew you appreciated what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So, man, I'm I'm glad we connected. Um, how did we originally connect? Was it was it on Facebook, possibly? Yeah, mutual. No, friend, actually, a mutual friend Corey yeah, Turner, right? Corey Turner connected us, and so then that's when you invited me to the um the event. One of the one of the events. Oh, yeah, I was doing Avanti Entrepreneur, yep. which is Italian based, meaning yep. moved forward. And then give a shout out to Rodia, right? Yeah, and then we connected at the Anthony Rodia show. Mm-hmm. He is a friend of the wooden spoon. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. I'm going to tune into the rest of your content. Appreciate you having me here today. Right. So yeah, everybody go check out Mike Up with Mike DeChocho. All the links will be somewhere yeah. here, whether it's on YouTube or Facebook. MikeDupPodcast.com. I kept it really simple. It's M-I-K-E-D Up Podcast.com. And then Social Chameleon is Social Chameleon, which is C-H-A-M-E-L-E-O-N.us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Mike. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you, um, man. Stay safe during the quarantine and just yeah. keep, keep doing what you're doing. It's um, definitely inspiring me and I'm sure many others. Thanks, brother. Digital right. fist bump, man. <laughs> right, take care, man. Cheers. Hey, Anthony. Yeah, Chris. What are you recording? I'm currently recording a Vinyl Divers podcast. Vinyl Divers? What's that? Vinyl Divers is a podcast that I do where I talk everything music related from bands that are on vinyl that I've collected, uh, old vinyl that I found and purchased, to bands that I'm currently listening to on iTunes and Spotify because guess what? I can't afford all the vinyl that I want. But it's a vinyl podcast. Yes, essentially. It's a music podcast that started off as a vinyl podcast. Is there diving involved? There is diving into podcasts and vinyls. Where can I find Vinyl Divers? Find Vinyl Divers on the network app, BICVP-radio.com. Sweet. Keep diving. <laughs>